This week, caught on tape, President Trump purposely downplayed the seriousness of this coronavirus back in February, when he clearly knew how deadly this virus can be to all age group and how quickly this virus can spread. So what is he doing here, seven months in of this once-in-a-century pandemic, by lying to American people's face? Hello, everyone. I am Justin Chen, and I want to welcome my listeners joining me here in the U.S. and around the world. This is Weekly Summarize. Still ahead, President Trump once again disregarded his own CDC guideline to aim the spread of the coronavirus on mass gathering this weekend by hosting an indoor rally at Henderson, Nevada. Hasn't he learned from what happened at Tulsa, Oklahoma, back in June, after the death of Herman Cain, who is a former GOP presidential candidate that endorsed President Trump himself? Didn't he contradict himself by telling people he is a law and order president when he clearly broke Nevada's law by hosting an event such like that? Plus, burning, burning, and more burning. The West Coast is facing an unprecedented wildfire that has burned almost the size of Connecticut and Rhode Island combined. President Trump once again denied the existence of climate change when it clearly exists. A resident from Oregon is my guest. But first, we're less than two months away from election and seven months in of this global pandemic. But the president this week kept downplaying the seriousness of this coronavirus and disregarding human life, as death toll will soon be reaching 200,000s. 200,000 is the population of Salt Lake City, and imagine the entire city getting wiped out. That is how dire the situation now in the U.S. Here are some of his reactions on Sunday night. The president flew to Henderson, Nevada, where he hosted an indoor rally without social distancing and mask mandate. And then the very next day, the president hosted another packed indoor event at Phoenix, Arizona. Keep in mind, there are only one person in those events that is socially distanced. The president himself. This is a sheer image that the president has no care for his people and for his supporters. Instead, he only cares about himself. When a local reporter asked how Trump feel about the rally, his response, telling the reporter to stay away from him because he is concerned about a mask-wearing person transmitting the virus to him. I do want you to bear in mind, cloth mask and surgical mask is preventing yourself from spreading the virus to other people. The reporter is shown wearing a cloth mask. Which helps her to prevent the spread of the virus if she is pre-symptom or asymptomatic. However, the president did not wear a mask, which not only not preventing him spreading the virus to other people if he's positive, or protecting himself from other people spreading the virus to him. He also draws the image on President Trump's standpoint on mask wearing, or an obvious safety protocol. However, when he comes to president himself, he seems to well know how dangerous this virus can be to the public, but he denied to say it to the public. Take a listen to this audio clip that was obtained by CNN last week. Talking mostly about the、uh, the virus, and I think he's going to have it in good shape. But you know, it's a very tricky situation. It's、uh, it goes it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's、uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. 
uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's I mean, it's pretty amazing. Happen. And uh, then I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more for deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. All right. So he clearly knows the fact in private back in February on how deadly this virus can be. But he continues to speak on how he wants to handle this pandemic. Inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you. Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to, uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. So, you know, those words you heard just now are pretty self-explanatory. But I still want to restate it. I want to play it down. I want to pl always play it down. That's his own words. And due to his rhetoric and his handling of this pandemic, the U.S. saw a staggering number of dead and positivity cases that is higher than any other country in the world. And the number is still skyrocketed, skyrocketed seven months in of this pandemic. And the president's strategy not only not reducing the panicking atmosphere in the country, but is doing quite the opposite, leaving people stay in panic mode on whether they are going to catch the virus or not, whether they're going to lose their jobs, or constant sadness because their loved ones are dying from this deadly virus. Meanwhile, last night, the audio tape from Woodward's last interview with the president was conducted last month surfacing on Stephen Colbert's show. President Trump's claims that he has done as much as he could on how to contain the virus. Keep in mind Woodward's book at that point is already sent to the publisher and began its process on printing. Take a listen. It's going to be uh a contest between you and Biden, it's, it's going to be a contest between both of you and the virus. The virus uh, is set because it's in real people's lives. Uh, you, you know, all those tens of millions of people who don't have jobs, who don't have I know. that income. Listen, I mean, you, you and I. Nothing more could have been done. Nothing more could have been done. Once again, the president is rambling illogical crap that is absolutely untrue and resulting more than 190,000 people's deaths. Instead, he could have done more. A Columbia University study shows that if the lockdown were to impose back on March 1st, two weeks before the lockdown that we had back on March 14th, 82-84% to 84 of the deaths could have been avoided. Remember, the president claims that he knew how deadly this virus could be and if he mandated masks and imposed lockdown two weeks earlier, he could have saved a tremendous amount of life. Even now, he could have done more to save lives. It is never too late. IHME, a White House trusted study showed that more than 410,000 people in the U.S. could have died from coronavirus by January 1st, 2021. That is more than 
the, the current death toll, doubling the current death toll. That will means 224,000 more lives that is going to be lose in the next few months. But if he has done more, and mandating mask wearing and impose harder social distancing measures, a lot more life could have been saved. That is not a vague prediction. That is based on scientific facts. Meanwhile, the president is in denial mode on climate change, stating the reason why the West Coast states are on fire because they are not cleaning their floor. He said, quote, I said, you gotta clean your floor. You gotta clean your forest. They have many, many years of leaves and broken trees. We say, quote, you gotta get rid of the leaves. You gotta get rid of the debris. You gotta get rid of the fallen trees. So that's what he said. Mind you, in California, Washington, and Oregon combined, about 1.9 million acres have burned on federally managed land this year. Which means it is he and his administration's job to clean those floors that he's talking about. Also, here is what he said on the press conference with California Governor Gavin Newsom this past Sunday. It'll start getting cooler. I you, wish, just, you just watch. I wish science agreed with you. <laughs> I, well, I don't think science knows, actually. Well, that is total BS. We know the climate is changing. We know the temperature is raising. And the scientists have been proving that our temperatures has raised significantly since 1970. And all three states of the West Coast have been experiencing historic drought and heat. Moreover, doesn't this seem like 2016 again, when Trump publicly altering scientists on the existence of climate change and calling out climate activist Greta Thunberg that she is so angry and she needs to calm down. While in his imaginary world, he's promoting, endorsing everything that is benefiting him or compatible with his own thoughts, even though those thoughts are cynically wrong, unscientific, and illogical. He's attacking those that is damaging his political power and standpoint, even though it is true and deserves to be acknowledged by the public. So it is time to step out from your imaginary world and be the president of the United States. Still ahead, wildfire burning on the West Coast has killed more than 30 people. I sat down with an Oregon resident to talk about her experience. Stay with us. Welcome back to Weekly Summarize. I am Justin Chen. For all of you who live on the West Coast, your biggest nightmare is the wildfire that will be enraging every year between the month of August and December. But this year, your nightmare is hitting you extra hard. Three states, Oregon, California, and Washington's are facing an unprecedented wildfire that was never being recorded in the history of the United States. It has resulted 35 people's death and 2 million acres land being burned. 
but the reasoning stating from the president of the United States, Donald Trump, on the cause of this wildfire is explosive trees, dry leaves, instead of climate change, when clearly climate is changing. So is his rhetoric correct? That's up to you to decide. But today, I am speaking with an Oregon resident about the wildfire, how her life under the smoke. Take a listen. All right, joining me right now is Marissa Feeland. She is a resident from Albany, Oregon, and she is also a student from New England Conservatory. Marissa, thanks for coming to the show. Hi, Dustin. Thank you for having me. So um, let me start asking you this question. So, um, so you know, you're in Oregon. That's a pretty serious state, and we see all the pictures, you know, coming out from Oregon. Um, the skies are orange for the entire day. So, yeah. So, what is the surrounding right now in Oregon? Like, what are you seeing? So, right now, it's cleared up a tiny bit. This is the first day that we've actually been able to see the sun in basically a week, which is crazy. But um, basically, the first couple of days, it was literally dangerous to walk outside and breathe the air, and like. If you're walking outside, even for a second, you had to wear a mask and it still burned your throat. And then even if you're in the car, you had to wear one because like, that's just how much freaking smoke there was. And I remember in Albany, um, the day after it happened on the air pollution scale, we were 535 and the scale wow. only goes up to 500. Mm-hmm. So it, like we literally broke the scale. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, there was like ash falling everywhere. I couldn't even drive my car because, well, okay, I could, but like I had to clean my window. That's what I mean. Like it was basically, it looked like it was snowing. There was so much ash. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was super weird. And also it, at least where I was anyway, um, it got kind of cold because it was almost like the climate changed because of the ash. It was super weird. Mm -hmm. Um, So today I finally started getting warm again, but definitely like near like the fires, like the immediate danger spots, like, holy crap, like super warm and everything because mm-hmm. obviously there's fire. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it is right now. Yeah, uh, I have a question. So how far away are you from the fireside, Albany? So, okay, so right now I'm in between the Beachy Creek fire mm-hmm. and then the Holiday Farm fire. Um, and... They're basically in the surrounding counties next to me. Um, my county did get evacuated on the first night, but not my side of the county, if that makes sense. So there was a fire in Alsea, and my best friend's family got evacuated. Um, so that was really unfortunate. Um, and they have, like, cows and goats and stuff, so that was kind of a nightmare for them to figure out where to put them. And that's one huge, you know, thing with this with the fires over here, it's just that so many people have like livestock and mm. huge animals. Like there is over just in Oregon, twenty thousand animals have been evacuated, which is insane. Yeah. That's so many. And a lot of them have been huge animals. Like like I'm sure some of them have been like dogs and stuff, but like there's definitely a lot that are like cows and horses, you know, it's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a definitely. Lot to move. 
Yeah, I, we yeah. all know Oregon is a big, you know, farming state. It has a lot of, you know, farms at Oregon. Yeah. And so obviously there are a lot of livestock. Uh, so yeah. if and I and I see, you know, in Cal in Northern California and Southern Oregon, especially those places are have there are a lot of farms over there. And when the fire yeah. came, the fire was so quick. It it spreads oh, so yeah. quickly, and the and the animals just doesn't have enough time to evacuate, so they just burn alive. That is a very yeah. big economic loss, and you know oh, it's definitely. really hard to see. So um, so you yeah. mentioned your sister is on the rescue team. So do you know any yeah. of her experience as a rescue team and a firefighters? Yeah. Yeah. So what she does, so she um, she's a part of the search and rescue for Lynn County. Mm -hmm. um, it's a volunteer thing, um, but she's an ICU nurse on board with them, and she's been doing that for years. But um, so basically, what she was doing was she was especially at the Lions Head fire. Um, she was helping with evacuation, so she was knocking on people's doors and being like, "You have to go right now because there's a fire if you can't see." Um, and but basically, what happened with that, which was really unfortunate, and we're finding out now that we're getting like the death tolls, was that so Lions Head is a very small town, like very small, um, and there's a lot of people who live in the foothills. And what she said was they were basically just knocking on the doors of the people in like the immediate town mm -hmm. but they couldn't get to people in the foothills and the problem is with that fire and honestly with basically all of them is that the power goes out and oh. so if you're in the foothills and you don't realize there's a fire because you know it happened so freaking quick you have no way of knowing until it's way too late and mm -hmm. so unfortunately um you know there is a death toll for the fires and i think a lot of it is due to that that you know people are living out in the woods like you know they have to go down you know a super long path like a super long driveway just to their house mm -hmm. and they don't have someone who's able to knock on their door and be like hey you have to leave right now your house is about to, about to catch on fire um but something that was crazy that my sister said was that like some people didn't realize how fast they had to leave so she said there was this one guy and he was older and she knocked on his door and was like hey you have to leave right now like I don't know if you can see, but there's a fire everywhere. And he was like, oh, no, I have to get my Harleys. Like, he just bought a bunch of new Harleys. And he was asking her to, like, help him move them. And she's like, you don't understand. Like, you need to leave. Your roof is literally on fire. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so she said that happened. And then she said there's some other people who, like, refused to leave. I don't, I honestly do not understand it. Yeah, I feel. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is the situation when you like. I I can make a comparison when you see a plane emergency landing, on like on uh -huh. like a wild place or like even in the airport in the even in the airport emergency landing you have to evacuate. So when they tell you yeah. to evacuate, they're professional. Yeah, you you have to leave. Go, yeah, yeah, I know exactly, and um. Yeah, it was, it's unfortunate because, like, it happens so quick. And um, I have a friend who, um, one of their friends had horses. They had six horses. And they didn't have a horse trailer big enough for all of them. And so one of their horses died in the fire, which was super unfortunate. And their house also burned down, which mm -hmm. was also really unfortunate. <laughs> but that's the case for a lot of the people in those towns. Because, like, there's a lot of towns, like, almost the, like, the complete town has burned up. Um, 
And it's just, especially the first couple days, we had a red flag warning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they said that we were going to have like, you know, these insane winds and stuff. And I don't necessarily think that any of us realized that it would be what it was. Mm. And so people went to bed that night and then they basically just woke up in the middle of the night to, you know, looking through their window and it's just red and yeah. it's a fire, basically, yeah. which is so unfortunate. Um, and actually my, um, my old boss's extended family, their um, son and grandmother died in the fire. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. In their case, they knew that they had to evacuate and they were evacuating. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were also in a case where they lived out in the foothills. And what happened was the grandmother, she broke her leg and she was waiting to have surgery. And so what happened with that was... Yeah, um, her, her grandson her went back in to rescue her, right? Yeah, exactly. So what happened... Well, so basically what the report said anyway was that um, the mother loaded the grandmother to the car mm-hmm. and the the father left earlier to get a generator. I'm sure it was because like the power went out and everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, the kid anyway, like they, yeah, it was just so sad. They had to, they basically had to ditch the car or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the kid was told to run and he was 12. And, you know, that, you know, the empathy thing kicked in. He's like, I can't leave my grandmother because she can't run. Like, she's stuck. So he ran back to save his grandmother. And he, they basically said he was missing for a few days. But then they ended up finding him and the grandmother. I'm pretty sure just burned. And they just assumed it was it was them. And then the mother is in critical care. She basically yeah. burned her skin yeah. off. Yeah, it's everything. so sad to see this kind yeah. of things happening yeah. in Oregon. Um, yeah. So you did yeah. mention there are arson arsenals going on yeah, in so Oregon. There's, arson, there's arsonists, yeah. So basically, it started out as a theory, like a conspiracy theory that was going around on the internet. And everyone was saying, you know, stop spreading lies. But the thing is, the police are actually talking about it now. Um, so last night in Sweet Home, Oregon, um, at like 2.50 or no, 2.41 in the morning, eight fires went off in the same town. Well, one of them was basically just the town over in Brownsville, but basically the same town within two hours of each other. And it was arsonist. And the thing is, the police even said they were arsonists. So it's not a theory at this point. And they did arrest one guy that I know of. But um, I'm sure that there's others that they have or at least others that they know of that they're looking for that I just don't know, like, the facts on. But they have arrested at least one arsonist. Mm, and, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people have seen them. So that's when the, the, you know, the conspiracy theory started. But they're not, I mean, they're true now, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm. which is really unfortunate that, you know, these people are starting these fires that are literally making I mean, it's ruining our state completely. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly. so much money being lost with all the crops being burned, with every obviously everyone losing their house. It's like so sad. Yeah, it know? is. Well, I mean, so I do want to touch base on climate change because I cert- <laughs> I certainly have never seen this happening in my entire life. I've oh, seen yeah. fires at the at the West Coast. But that kind of fires yeah. that turn skies into orange. And when I see pictures in Fran- San Francisco or even in Portland, it looks like a living hell. Yeah. 
Honestly, it looks oh, like yeah. living hell. Definitely. Because and yeah. It's literal hell because it's orange and you see the fire. It reminds me of Minecraft's mm-hmm. hell. <laughs> sort yeah, of. And, yeah, and even the sun is red. I mean, literally, this is the first day where the sun hasn't been red. And the whole time, everyone was just like, oh my god, it's the apocalypse. And like, I know. freaking out. Yes. Um, so, but, you know, speaking on... Mm. Oh, sorry. No, no, you can go, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say the weird thing speaking of like the climate and everything so basically I think it was like the day after we had our you know the fires and stuff like the very first day after mm-hmm. Denver snowed isn't that nuts yeah Denver exactly snowing it's insane yeah so <laughs> Crazy. yeah exactly because I think it's like the jet streams the push the cold weather down to Denver yeah. instead of to you guys, so um, mm-hmm. that's that's kind yeah. of sad. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I yeah. So uh, the climate change. <laughs> so climate change. Yeah, I was change. Say, I, Yeah, I was just gonna say I wish I knew more about it on, especially in regards to everything that's going on in Oregon. Like, I definitely think you know there is a link between it i just i wish i knew more about it yeah. to be able to yeah. speak on it if that makes sense yeah definitely. Um, yeah but there's definitely something weird going on because mm-hmm. let's be honest like that those are completely juxtaposing weather things you know what i mean like snow versus mm-hmm. super super dry hot like insane winds by the way the winds the night of the um fires literally we're over a hundred miles per hour. That is hurricane force. Mm-hmm. And we don't have winds like that very often in Oregon. The, the weather is usually very, very mild. It was just so weird. Yeah. And um, that was yeah. also when we had all these horrible fires. <laughs> so, you know, fire plus wind, that's awful. Yeah. It was super dry weather. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. So, you know, my, my place is raining right now. I wish I can bring some of the rain to yeah. you guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it has been raining yeah, for I the past so seven true. days, and yeah. So oh, but so, you guys stole all our rain, I guess. Yeah, I, so that's the reason why <laughs> I'm telling you I want to bring some of the rain to you guys because <laughs> because my yeah. my city is basically water everywhere. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. And well, uh, speak. Uh, one last question. Say, oh, sorry. Yeah. My one last question. So if you are evacuating. And uh, yeah. we see highways are closing in Oregon because of the fire. Oh, yeah. What is A your lot, plan? Yeah. And also tell the <laughs> listeners if they're in Oregon, um, uh-huh. what their plans are going to be if they are receiving, you know, evac- mandated evac- evacuation notification. Yeah. So basically... Honestly, a lot of people already have their bags packed right now. Mm-hmm. I know I have a bag packed with just like some spare clothes like socks and like um contact solution (laughs) um but i also have a spare thing of food in my uh my car just filled with whatever i literally have like cranberry juice because i forgot to take it out of my car and i just kept it in there Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i was like okay i'll just keep this for when we evacuate but one thing that they're really saying that's super important is to have your car at least partially full like like uh ideally three-fourths of the way or more because what people are running into 
Because honestly, sometimes you can drive on an Oregon road and you literally won't see a gas station for like hours. And that's a horrible situation to be in if there's a fire and people have run into that situation. And so they're just saying to make sure that you're stocked at any time, you know, just to make sure. Um, And then in terms of location, originally um, we were going to stay with our um, family in Portland, but they're kind of in a bad situation up there too now. So honestly not quite sure but i wish i could say what my exact plan would be um yeah so that's kind of where i'm at with it but actually i just thought of another thing that i wanted to um share about um mm-hmm. you know Go all the evacuations and stuff and this is what my sister was saying but when she was evacuating people and the lines had fire um she said what was happening <laughs> it sounds so scary there was a huge bottleneck because obviously they didn't know they were going to have to evacuate until their house was already on fire, basically, or their neighbor's house was on fire. And so there's who's bottleneck. The thing that was really bad was that there was a tree that caught on fire above everyone who was stuck in traffic. And there was literal like flames falling on cars mm-hmm. stuck in traffic while they're waiting to evacuate. And then another thing she said was, so when she was over there, it was like a it was like a war zone because there was constant she said it was like bombs going off because people's cars were blowing up or like their boats were blowing up because of all the gas and stuff mm-hmm. not in traffic but like people who were parked if that makes sense yeah um and then also power power lines so many power lines have been blowing up that certain areas have just decided to turn off power um power and water which is problematic because um I mean, it's good because then they're not blowing up, but also like they're not telling the people who haven't evacuated in the town that are safe, if that makes sense. So then all of a sudden they don't have power or water mm-hmm. without even knowing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's complete crisis mode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Marissa, thanks for coming to the show and I hope you and your family uh, can stay safe. Um, yeah, good God, luck. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Bye. Thanks again for Marissa coming to the show, but just to clarify after this, Marissa wants to say that what her means on the lion fire is the lion head fire. So just to keep that in mind, that it means lion head fire, not lion fire. It's two different things. So that's it for this week's show. I am Justin Chen. Next week, I'll be talking about this week's rally, uh, the Trump rally, and also the Joe Biden town hall that was hosted by CNN, and also Bill Barr's comment about lockdown with re- is equal to slavery, and more news that will happen this week. See you next week. I'm Justin Chen.